Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their third summer release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Listen to Your Dreams, 101 Tales of Inner Guidance, Divine Intervention, and Miraculous Insights. So, be ready for some life-changing dreams and premonitions, including stories about high-impact dreams during the COVID-19 shutdown. Good morning, Amy. Happy Tuesday, and welcome back to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I am great. I'm so excited about uh, talking about dreams and how we can use them as a kind of GPS for navigating our lives. I think they're just the most fascinating things, the way that they come from our own brains, and yet they provide us with this guidance that seems to come from the outside. That's true. Very, very true. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me this morning. Chicken Soup for the Soul, Listen to Your Dreams is a very insightful read. Congratulations on its release, which happens to be today, correct? Yes, it is out today. I'm very excited to see how it does. Um, it is our third dreams book, mm-hmm. and it's. I find it very, very useful personally, and also it includes a dozen life-changing COVID-19 dreams. So Mm -hmm. very topical because I don't know about you, but I've been having such vivid, intense dreams since March, like ever since this whole pandemic started. And a lot of people are talking about their dreams being more intense now. And Mm -hmm. what's cool is that people are learning a lot from those dreams. So we have those COVID-19 stories in the book as well. Very interesting. Yes, I've read through some of them. They are really, really fantastic. How popular are stories about dreams, divine intervention, and miracles for chicken soup? I know you said that this is the third book for you guys. So this is the third book we've done about dreams. The first two, I had a co-author, Kelly Sullivan Walden, who is a national Mm -hmm. dreams expert, Um, This time I went on my own. Um, I learned a lot from her, which really helped in selecting the stories for this book. I just felt like these dream stories are so powerful. It was worth putting out a third one, especially with the pandemic going on and so many people telling me that they were having intense dreams these days and paying more attention to their dreams. So it just seemed like the right time for us to do this. And this fits into that whole area we cover about dreams and what seems to be divine intervention and miraculous coincidences and, you know, all of these strange but good things that happen to people. Mm -hmm. And we get great, powerful stories about these things. And they're kind of a combination of spiritual and practical because if you're like me yeah you think that your dreams really come from inside your own head that it's your subconscious your subconscious that can't really get your attention during the day you know you're busy you're talking Mm -hmm. you're walking you're 
moving around, you're doing things. You know, you have that inner guidance that you just don't listen to. And then when you're asleep, your subconscious gets to say, hey, you, (laughs) you who weren't listening to me during the day, now I have your attention. Let me tell you what I think. So I view dreams as your subconscious really telling you stuff that you already know that is good for you, that you just were too busy to listen to or too distracted to listen to while you were awake. And then I say, no, no, dreams are when, you know, your loved ones can come to you, you know, your your loved ones who have passed away or where these amazing premonitions come to you. And we have stories like that in the book that you can't explain away my practical Mm -hmm. way, saying, oh, it comes from your own subconscious. (laughs) There are definitely a lot of stories in this book that would say, Amy, you are totally wrong about this all Mm -hmm. coming from within because that Mm -hmm. would be impossible for half the dreams in this book. So it's it's an interesting mixture of, I guess, spiritual stuff and just regular old psychology. Um, (laughs) But the the overall message is that you should definitely listen to your dreams because they really do carry important messages and lessons for you. Right, that's true. Well, regardless which route you take, I honestly believe that if you are not willing to receive, you will never get it. So that's the bottom line. If you're willing and be in the receiving mode, then you will get those dreams that helps you regardless from within or from the dearly departed or your angels and so forth. So one one thing that I learned from Kelly Sullivan Walden was that Mm -hmm. you can actually use your dreams by assigning yourself a topic to think about before you go to sleep. Let's say you're mulling over, what should I do about my job? If you assign that topic to yourself, you might have a dream that will help you. And one thing that she taught me was that when you wake up from a dream, immediately say out loud or jot down a couple of keywords from the dream before you mm-hmm. lose it. Because you know how you right. wake up and you lose the dream and you're like, oh, shoot, I, I had it and I just <laughs> lost it. But if you wrote down a couple of things, you know, dog. Um, right. awning, whatever it was. You're like, oh, right. yeah, 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 there was a dog and it was under an awning. And, you know, you just write down a couple of keywords and it helps you to get back the dream and then you can actually use it to mm-hmm. improve your life. So true. Does Chicken Soup get lots of feedback from readers about how these stories impacted their lives in some ways? Yeah, we get fan mail every day, mostly fan email now, but a lot Mm -hmm. of written mail also. People telling us how a particular book or a particular story within a book made a huge impact on them. And and that's why um, we have these slogans. One is changing your life one story at a time. Mm -hmm. You know, one is changing your world one story at a time. But we really do think that even one individual story can have a huge impact on someone's life. And that's what people write to us about. So that's good because I work seven days a week (laughs) and my whole team works seven days a week. This powers us forward when we get that positive feedback and we know we're making such a difference. It keeps us going on this intense work schedule. That's true. So true. It's a nice picker up. uh, It's a validation in so many ways. You guys are doing some wonderful work for others and it's nice to hear 
some feedback. Oh, definitely. I mean, you, you really need that when you work as hard as we do, because except when I'm on vacation where I only allow myself <laughs> to do email and nothing else, other than yeah. official vacation time, I'm working seven days a week and my editors are as well. Mm, wow. Was it a challenge for you to narrow the stories down to 101 pieces? Yeah, we got a lot more than 101 great stories. I mean, we actually had thousands of stories submitted for the book. And so mm -hmm. we have a whole team of editors who reads every single submission. And then it gets narrowed down to a few hundred finalists for me to review. And then I go through and pick out all the ones I want to use. And sometimes when we have too many great stories, we'll move some to another book we're working on in the future. So that happens as mm -hmm. well. That if we have too many good ones, we'll either make another book or we'll just move those stories to something else we're working on that they could fit into. We hate to not use a great story. Very, very interesting. So what you're saying is that if I were to submit a story and I send a dozen roses to you with some apple pie and all that, that's not going to make a difference, huh? <laughs> no, it won't make a difference at all. I have I have rejected stories from my own family. Uh-oh. So, yeah, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty picky. Yeah, I, I've rejected stories from my own editors. Um, I've tried writing a story myself and said, nope, this isn't good enough. We're... You know, our our goal is really to present the cream of the crop. And when you're getting mm -hmm. thousands of submissions, why right. would you settle? Right, right. So true. Very, very true. How rewarding has it been for you in reading the various stories? Oh, it's been great. And, and not just this Dreams book, but all of our books. And it's not just the stories that we publish. It's all of the stories that I read. People are so unselfish in sharing these stories. I mean, the Chicken Soup for the Soul stories are always about incredibly important moments in people's lives where they're really opening the door, letting us inside, you know, and mm -hmm. sharing with us the way they would share with a really good friend or a family member. It's like you sat down for coffee and, you know, you're leaning in. Your friend is telling you, you're not going to believe what happened to me. I mean, that's what we're publishing. And so that's why the stories are so mind-blowing and also so helpful. And, of course, they help me. And I know for sure that working on these dreams books has helped me to learn how to pay better attention to my dreams and actually mm -hmm. get some good from them even though I don't really like having these intense dreams during the pandemic <laughs> and trying to use them as a guide for my life. Like at the beginning of the pandemic, mm -hmm. I kept having these dreams about having an empty shopping cart, standing mm. in the grocery store with a completely empty shopping cart. And that's when I realized I really need to stock up. And when I stocked up, I stopped having these anxiety dreams. You know, that, that's like really an right. obvious one. But people also, you know, have been reporting pandemic dreams that are way more interesting than mine, you know, where they actually <laughs> realize, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go and pursue a new career now or, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. you know, pursue a new relationship or whatever. Uh, but the reading the stories myself 
does have a profound effect on me. And the editors, we all talk about it. They we're privileged in that we get to read all of these stories and then the ones we don't publish as well. And we are, we're all right. much improved as a result. Very, very interesting. Besides the empty shopping cart, do you recall in your life where you may have experienced a profound dream? Wow. I'm trying to think about some of the <laughs> dreams that I've had. Um, I, I remember having dreams when I was pregnant, like, mm-hmm. Where I, I remember when I was pregnant for the very first time, I still remember the dream because I was nervous because I was pregnant for the first time. Right. I was nervous and excited. And I had this dream that I had a girl and that she came out speaking Latin. And Uh-oh. she was super smart. <laughs> and I was kind of terrified of her. Isn't that funny? Uh, and then, of course, I had a boy, not a girl, and he came out, mm-hmm. you know, his first word was car, and, and he didn't say that until he was 15 months old. So the dream was totally wrong, but it definitely showed me how nervous I was and mm-hmm. the tremendous responsibility I was undertaking, you know, having children. So I do remember that one. And then I remember when I that same pregnancy, he was so late. He was um, 11 days late, and... I remember having this dream after the due date when he was so late. And Mm -hmm. I still remember the dream vividly because I dreamt that I went to a one-year reunion of my Lamaze class. Mm -hmm. And everybody was there with their, you know, one-year-old child. And I was still pregnant. (laughs) 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 So that was pretty funny also. (laughs) So I do remember the dream at the very beginning of being pregnant and then the dream when he was overdue. I do still vividly remember those. And he's, he's 33 years old now. I still remember those <laughs> Very, very interesting. Please tell us about the beautiful artwork for the book front and back covers. They're beautiful. Oh, my gosh. I'm so proud of the cover that we made for Listen to Your Dreams. It is gorgeous. And we've been working really hard to make our books look very contemporary, and we usually get a lot of comments back from retailers and we'll adjust covers, et cetera. This cover, we showed it. Everybody loved it from day one. We never had to change a thing. Mm-hmm. I just think mm-hmm. it's, it's gorgeous. It, this is like the kind of cover, you should put this on your night table because looking at it, it's pretty, but it also helps to get you into the mood to go to sleep because Mm-hmm. You know, you see this dark blue sky and these puffy clouds and these stars and the moon. <laughs> and it just looks kind of spiritual and soothing and sleep-inducing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I really am excited about how gorgeous this book is because, you know, we try, not, we try to have great stories but also make our books a, just a good experience overall, and that means making them a good artistic experience as well. And the cool thing is that all of the artwork flows through into our ebook as well. So when you're reading mm-hmm, mm-hmm, our mm-hmm. books as ebooks, you get to see all the artwork as well. That's beautiful. I know the print copy gives out that very warm energy to it. And it's yeah, a very nice it? touch. I love it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's our, our designer, um, Dan Zakari, did a fabulous job with it. Wonderful. Can you share with us the chapter topics covered in the book? 
Yeah, this was really fun. I mean, this is what I get to do. After I pick the 101 <laughs> stories, I get to yeah. sit down and make up the chapters and put the, the stories into chapters. So I loved doing it for this book. So the first chapter is stories about personal transformation. And then the second chapter is what I call divine guidance. So this is where it is kind of hard to say it came from your own subconscious because it doesn't <laughs> seem like it's possible. Based, well, you'll when you read these stories, you'll see why. And then the third chapter is about people who have these remarkable dreams or premonitions that are early warnings mm-hmm. of you know accidents or natural disasters. And then the fourth chapter gets back to my theory about your subconscious. It's called Listen to That Little Voice. This chapter is those stories about dreams where a loved one who has passed away comes to you in a dream. And that chapter is called Messages from Heaven. And then chapter six is prophetic premonitions. And it's people who have these remarkable premonitions that come true. Chapter seven is about comfort and closure. It's when somebody comes to you in a dream and really helps you find comfort and Mm -hmm. knowing they're okay or closure, a relationship that needed some kind of closure, even though the person has passed on. And then chapter eight is love come true. I know we're going to talk about at least one of those stories today Mm -hmm. um, where people dreamt about, a romantic interest and then met that exact person. And then <laughs> chapter nine is called miraculous bonds. And this is about weird dreams, you know, that bring together family yeah. members. And then chapter 10 gets back to your subconscious telling you stuff that, you know, you just were too busy to listen to. And that chapter is called <laughs> what I knew all along. So it's very, very cool. I mean, I think this is a really great collection for us with dreams that are powerful tools for redirecting your life or changing your relationships and definitely making you a happier person. <laughs> That's true. So is that what you would like the readers to gain from reading, listen to yeah. your dreams? I would like the readers to say, you know what, I'm going to read these stories, whether I read them all at once, whether mm-hmm. I read one a night for 101 nights, but I want the readers to walk away saying, I am going to listen to my dreams. I'm going to jot down a couple of keywords or just say them out loud to cement them into my brain. But when I wake up from an intense dream, I'm going to make sure I remember it and get something out of it. And mm-hmm. then even say, I'm going to try to dream about this thing that's been bothering me because maybe in my dream I can work it out and figure out what I'm supposed to do. So I think that people will walk away from Chicken Soup for the Soul, listen to your dreams, with some ideas for how they can really use their subconscious to improve their lives. That's true. Very, very true. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchasers, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their third summer release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Listen to Your Dreams. 
101 Tales of Inner Guidance, Divine Intervention, and Miraculous Insights. Amy, let's talk about the stories in the book. Chapter 1, I love the title itself. It's fantastic, Personal Transformation. And the first story is The Boat by Kelly Kowal. Kelly wrote an amazing story, and that's why I made it the first story. Um, Kelly was in mourning for her son, who was killed Mm -hmm. in Afghanistan while serving in the military. And she was driving to an appointment with her grief counselor, and she was in such a fog that even though she normally knew the way there, she made a wrong turn. And so she was on this road looking for a place to turn around, and she saw a boat on the side of the road, and it had a for sale sign on it. And for a moment, she thought, oh, my son and I would have really enjoyed that boat because they had always loved going out on the water together. They had done scuba diving. They had gone fishing, kayaking, canoeing, sailing, snorkeling, you know, anything involving the water. Well, that night, Kelly had a dream about her son. And in her dream, her son came to her and told her to buy that boat. He said he wanted her to buy that boat and provide trips in the boat to veterans, to military service members, um, you know, returning returning mm-hmm. um, veterans and also military service members who were still in the service. And also she wanted, he wanted her to provide boat trips to families who had lost a soldier. And he wanted her to take the boat and take, these military people and their families to some of his favorite places in the bay that they live near and the various rivers that they live near there. And so she woke up from that dream feeling like she really had had a visit from her son. And then she had the same dream the next night. And then she had the dream for two more nights and she had PTSD and she really mm-hmm. needed to get sleep. And then she, on the fifth night she woke up from that dream And she thought, I got to do something. And she'd been telling her mother about the dream. And her mother said, why don't you just go back and see if the boat is still available? Because if it's gone, maybe your dreams will stop. And if it's there, you can ask the price. And if it's out of your price range, then you can just let it go. And Kelly only had $2,500 available to buy a boat. So she called the phone number listed on the sign because the boat was still there when she went to check. And the owner said he was getting a divorce, and that's why he was selling the boat. And then he started asking her, like, why do you want it? And she just didn't want to talk about it in the dream. <laughs> so she said, just please tell me the price. So he said it was $7,500. And she thanked him and said, well, I can't do that because I don't have that kind of money. And he said, mm-hmm. well, just tell me, why did you want it? But when she told him about her son in this dream she had five nights in a row and what her son had said in the dream about the boat. He said that he was a veteran and he would sell her the boat and the trailer for $2,000 instead of $7,500. So she bought it. And two weeks later, she did her first boating trip for a group of five veterans. Mm -hmm. She ended up founding a nonprofit and she's been giving boating trips to all of these people just the way her son had told her in the dream. And she says that it has totally changed her life. It's totally a beautiful, beautiful story. And those are the kind of things that I think, like I say again, if we allow this information to come to us and if we are receptive, then 
it just changes the dynamics and it's just a totally beautiful story about the things that she went on to do. I mean, that's just, wow. <laughs> that's a wow I know, factor. It was, in great. It. it was really great. Yeah. And she feels closer to her son as a result of seeing her right. son in her dreams. And some people right. would say she made her son appear to her in her dreams using her own brain. Right. Right. Other people would say her son really did come to her in her dreams. Either way, she got a lot out of listening to those dreams. Precisely. Precisely. It's about contributing to humanity, and that's what it's all about. Another story that I really like in this chapter is, hey, this is a guy thing. I'm so glad that you guys have more guys writing in with their feelings about life. Social <laughs> <laughs> transformation. And the story title is The Climb by Rob Barry. Oh, yeah. So um, Rob, he used to bike with his dad, and his dad was the one who helped him do those big hills. You know, when you're bicycling, a big hill is quite a challenge. And so his dad, you know, would always support him, and eventually he got better than his dad at going up the big hills. And when his dad died he kept cycling because that was their sport. That was where they would ride and talk and spend quality time together. So anyway, Rob has a dream. And in this dream, which he starts having frequently, he's sweating and he's breathing fast and he's on his bike and he's pedaling up a steep hill. And his father is there with him. And his father is exhausted, but he's keeping up with Rob and, you know, helping motivate him to keep going. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was Rob realized he was having that dream when he was stressed about something, either stressed about something at work or stressed about a big ride. Like the first time he had the dream was before he did a 100-mile ride. Those are called, I think, century rides. Mm-hmm. Um, and having that dream and knowing his father was there to support him gave him this sense of calm and comfort, and he felt like his father was there with him the whole time on that ride, helping him go up those big hills. And so Rob says, I've spent years trying to understand the dream. He says, is dad trying to connect with me? Is he reminding me to never let up, to never give in? Or is it just my subconscious conjuring up a treasured memory? And Rob says, I have no idea, but I do know this. You know, everyone has climbs in their life, and all he knows is that whenever he's facing one of those big climbs, whether it's an actual bike ride or whether it's some other critical fork in the road for him, like at work, he has this dream, his dad comes to him, and his dad helps him go up these hills. So isn't that cool? Because it's a a reminder that when a parent dies, the parent is still with you and can still be there to encourage you Mm -hmm. to carry that with you. In Rob's case, mm-hmm. he carries that with him in his dreams. Yeah, that's a wonderful story. And it reminded me about my relationship with my dad. He passed away a year after I got to the United States in my sophomore year, and I never did go home for his funeral. Afterwards, it took me 15 years later before I had a chance to go back to Malaysia. So during that time, whenever I dream of him, he was always alive in my mind. And that was a wonderful thing that... I went through from that perspective. It's only until I went home and visited his grave and prayed that we had that sort of closure, so to speak, 
And so it was interesting. And to this day, once in a while, I do think of him. I just sense his presence in terms of guiding me and so forth. So that was quite interesting. Do you have a very good story that you want to tell us from this chapter that you like? Well, there's a cool one by a woman named Jamie Wilson, and she dreamt that she had COVID-19. So it was one of those stress dreams Mm -hmm. about COVID. Um, But she didn't have COVID-19. She just dreamt that she did. (laughs) And since she has asthma, she was in the hospital in her dream, and a nurse kept taking her temperature and saying, you're holding steady at 103.5. So all she remembered when she woke up was 103.5. And she thought, <laughs> that sounds like a radio station. Right. And she was driving in her car and she thought, well, let me see if there actually is a radio station around here that's at 103.5. So she turns on 103.5 FM. And there was a talk show that had just started and they were discussing how to make a career switch. And she listened to this talk show for 45 minutes, and it was exactly what she needed because she had been thinking about changing careers for some time, but she knew that the career she really wanted would require some additional years of education. She Mm -hmm. heard everything she needed to know and got all the resources she needed from listening to this talk show And she would never have tuned to 103.5 FM if it hadn't been for that dream. So that was just a really, really cool coincidence. It's a beautiful story. That was really interesting. And that's the kind of thing I'm trying to tell people where if you pay attention, the answer is all around you. (laughs) Yeah, she wasn't afraid to be, you know, like somebody might have said, oh, that's silly. I'm not going to listen to (laughs) 103.5. And she just thought, why not? So she did it. And it worked yeah. out really well for her. It's like what you said earlier on when we were talking. You said you have to be open to receiving mm-hmm. the guidance. Right. So she was open to thinking that 103.5 could be a radio station that she should listen to. Yeah. Yeah. If nothing else, for entertainment while driving. And, of course, yeah, there's I mean, much what, more than the that. downside, <laughs> right? There was no downside to it. Right. She was very smart. She went with it, and it paid off big time for her. That's beautiful. Chapter 2, Divine Guidance. The story is Kathy's Dream by Keisha Reynolds. Oh, this was so cool. So, mm-hmm. um, and in fact, I made a book trailer for this book. Um, if you go to chickensoup.com and you click on the Listen to Your Dreams book, you can see the book trailer, and we have pictures in here that Keisha gave us. Um of her and Jane Goodall and chimpanzees. So Keisha was working on a novel about the lives of chimpanzees, and she wanted to learn more about chimpanzees to make the novel better. And she applied for a six-month internship at the famous Jane Goodall Institute in Tanzania, Mm -hmm. and she got accepted, which was incredible. So She had a really good job, and she would have to give up the job to go on this seemingly crazy trip to Africa to, you know, be with chimpanzees for six months. And two weeks before she was supposed to leave, Keisha was still struggling with her decision because, you know, like the responsible side of her was like, why should I give up this good job? But then the adventurous side of her said, well, you got this internship. This is amazing, an amazing, you know, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. 
Well, so anyway, she hadn't told anybody at work that she was struggling with this decision. And then one of her coworkers said, hey, Keisha, I had this really strange dream last night. And she told Keisha that in the dream, Keisha had disappeared from work. And then she had been found on this huge yacht running a large enterprise. And that she had gone to Keisha and said, you need to come back to work. And Keisha responded that she was living her truth and wasn't going back to her old job. Well, when Keisha heard that her coworker had this dream and her coworker didn't know <laughs> anything about how Keisha had this opportunity to go to the Jane Goodall Institute, Keisha thought, well, that clinches it. And she quit her job and she did that internship and it just changed her life. So it was absolutely the right <laughs> thing to do. So that was really, really cool. Once again, I look at it from a standpoint, if we are open, the answers are around us because when it's a personal decision that we have to make, sometimes it's very difficult, but you'd be surprised. The slightest thing that happened around us either validates it or nullifies <laughs> that thought that we're supposed to do. Yeah, it was, it was amazing that it was Keisha's coworker who had the dream. It mm-hmm. wasn't even Keisha. Yeah, I, lo- I love that story. Chapter three, Early Warnings, A Series of Dreams by Debbie Sister. This is a cool one. Yeah, so sometimes our dreams act like an early warning system. And it might not be that they're really warning us about something, but because we dreamed about a potential accident or a natural disaster, we prepare for it. And that's what happened to Debbie. She worked nights. And before she went to bed each morning, she would watch the news and check the weather. And one morning... She went to sleep after, you know, working the previous night, and she had this intense dream about a really bad storm, and there was the sound of a train in the dream, and Debbie heard the word closet, and then, you know, she wakes up, goes to work. The next morning, she comes home from work. She has the same dream again, except it gets more detailed. There are high winds and heavy rain, and there's a voice saying, safe in your closet. So... You know, and she looks out her window and she sees damage out on her lawn. Well, then she woke up, looked outside, another beautiful day, nothing to think about. Next morning, <laughs> had the dream again. She had the dream four mornings in a row, and each time there was more detail. It was very clear in the dream that there was a tornado, that was the train sound, and she kept mm-hmm. hearing that voice telling her that she would be saved in her closet. So she lived in what's called a double wide, which is a home that's made from two trailers joined together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all hear about tornadoes and how they're such a big threat to trailer homes. So where Debbie was, everybody was on five acres. So they were trailer homes, but everybody had a five acre lot. Um, so they were all spread out, but still vulnerable to a tornado. Well, what happened was she was woken up, on um, I think, the fourth morning. And her daughter said, there's a bad storm outside. It sounds really bad. And Debbie was prepared because of this dream. And she hustled her daughter into the closet with her. And a tornado did come. They heard the train sound and everything. And when it passed, they came out and everything was a mess. You know, everything Mm -hmm. was tossed around. The windows were blown out. Their walls had caved in. Their cabinets had been emptied. Their furniture was everywhere. Um, there were these cement pilings under their house that had pushed up through the floorboards. Um, and the interesting thing was that 
they had a room under their house, and that's where she would have gone if it mm-hmm. hadn't been for the dream that kept saying safe in the closet, because that would have been her natural inclination to go under the house. Well, that room under the house destroyed by the tornado. It would have been a terrible place for them to hide from the storm. So that recurring dream prepared Debbie, and it's hard to know why she kept having it, because the weather report every day was fine. She had no reason to believe there was a tornado coming. But because of the dream, she hid in the closet with her daughter. She did the right thing. It's just a truly awesome story. And that's the kind of thing where we can debate whether, like I say, is it someone telling you that or is it from the inside that's telling you, hey, this is a smart thing to do. <laughs> very, either very way you to listen, make distinction. Right? Either way, you listen to that dream and she listened to that dream and that's right. why she stayed in the closet right. instead of in that room underneath the house. Right. So true. What do you like in chapter four? Well, there's, I, I kind of like this story by Lori Reed because I have a, a father who's in um, a dementia unit, an assisted living mm-hmm. dementia unit. So I you know, pay a lot of, ten- of attention to elder care issues. And Lori had a father who um, had required care during his final days. And she had actually quit her job and spent um, time taking care of him during his final days. And she had also enjoyed visiting the other residents of the assisted living where he was. And so one night she went to bed thinking about that and how she really did enjoy working with the elderly. And she needed to find a new job that would be fulfilling, but she knew that she'd make a lot lower income if she became a caregiver for one elderly person. Right. And around five in the morning, she woke up after hearing the words shouted at her, caring hearts. So this is a great example of somebody thinking, I need to make a decision about something. Then she has a dream about it, and it changes her life. So when she heard the words caring hearts shouted at her in her dream, she knew she was supposed to start a business called Caring Hearts. And so she started a home care agency with the help of her husband eight years ago, and their business is successful, and it's called Caring Heart Companion. And Lori says, sometimes you just have to listen to your dream because her dream absolutely set her on the path to this fulfilling new career. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful story. And by the way, the chapter is listen to that little voice. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly, because that little voice said to her caring hearts, and that led to her new business. Beautiful. Chapter 5, Messages from Heaven, and the story is I'll Never Walk Alone by Sherry Bunch. This was cool, and this is one of the ones where you can't go with my practical approach that came (laughs) from her subconscious. So in this case, Sherry Bunch tells us that her mother had died unexpectedly, um, and so Sherry was, you know, really, really distraught over that, especially since it was unexpected. Um, it happened that Sherry also was buying her first house right then, and moving into it was difficult and exhausting, and she was by herself, and she didn't have a job, and so she was stressed about this whole big, risky change that she was making. And so after working all day on this move into this new home, 
she collapsed into her recliner to take a break, and she ended up falling asleep. And just as she was dozing off, she thought about her mother's recipe for banana bread, and she realized that she had no idea where the recipe was. She wished she had it. And she had hundreds of moving boxes. It was probably in one of them, but where, (laughs) she didn't know. So in her dream, while she was taking her nap, she was in this strange room with this strange plant and And then she saw her mother kind of glowing in the corner of the room like an aura. Mm -hmm. And she didn't say a word, but she smiled and she reached out and took Sherry's hand. And Sherry woke up and she found that her hand was outstretched in the exact position it was in her dream. And then she got up. She made her way through the hundreds of boxes to a back bedroom, walked right up to a stack of boxes, removed the top four boxes in the stack, reached into the fifth box, lifted up half the contents, and there in the middle of the box was her mother's handwritten recipe for banana bread. So (laughs) how did that happen? Like, was it that Sherry's subconscious remembered where that recipe was, even though her waking mind didn't know where it was? Sherry says she doesn't know. If she knew it anyway and her subconscious just had to tell her in her dream or if there was something more divine about that guidance that she got. But it really made her feel good that her mother is still in her life, helping out and pointing her in the right direction whenever necessary. That's a really cool story, and it has to be told on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, see? <laughs> That's true, because you're all about your mom and being in the kitchen and that nurturing that moms do for food, absolutely. <laughs> You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple's Podcast, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. My guest is Amy Newbach, the publisher and editor in chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their third summer release, Chicken Soup for the Soul Listen to Your Dreams. 101 Tales of Inner Guidance, Divine Intervention, and Miraculous Insight. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Amy, Chapter 6 is another cool one. Prophetic Premonition, Somebody's Miracle by Jean Pipe. Yeah, so Jean was busy working in her garden, and this garden was on the border between her property and her neighbors. And she liked her elderly neighbor, Mrs. Weber, but... She pretended she didn't notice Mrs. Weber's face in the window that day because she just didn't have time for her because she was busy. People get all wrapped up in their to-do list and forget about human interaction. But Jean had had a dream just the night before. She had dreamt about Mrs. Weber, her neighbor, and in the dream, Mrs. Weber was rocking a tiny baby, and she looked so sad. And Jean had decided to blame the dream on the fact that she was talking to her friend who had this volunteer work in this organization that helped unwed mothers. But then she started thinking about it. She thought, oh, poor Mrs. Weber, she's lonely and she's isolated and I never see her drive her car. I just sit there in her driveway. And she knew that Mrs. Weber had lived in that house for more than 50 years. And Mm -hmm. Mrs. Weber was afraid to go out because the neighborhood had gone downhill in the last 20 years and it wasn't as safe as it had been. And, She knew, though, that the only visitor that Mrs. Weber ever got was Meals on Wheels. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And now she thought, well, I don't even know if Mrs. Weber is okay. I should at least check on her. So Jean had made blueberry muffins, so she went into her house. She put two, blur- blue blur- yeah, two blueberry muffins on a plate, and she headed next door. She knocked on the door, and she said that the sheer happiness on her neighbor's face made her feel ashamed that she hadn't <laughs> done this sooner. And Mrs. Weber was so happy to see her, and she bustled off to make tea for them. And while Jean was waiting for her to come back, she saw this basket of yarn, and she saw this half-completed baby blanket sitting on the top of the basket, and it looked so soft, and she felt it, and it was really, really soft. And when Mrs. Weber came back, Jean complimented her on this baby blanket, and Mrs. Weber said, well, I've run out of yarn, so I'm not going to be able to finish it. And then she showed her a dozen more baby blankets that she had made, and they were all beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then Jean surprised herself, and she said to Mrs. Weber, I'll take you shopping for yarn. I have to go out anyway to pick up some things at the store. And so she took Mrs. Weber to the yarn store, and that was the beginning of a wonderful new relationship with her neighbor. And Mrs. Weber knitted those soft blankets and continued making them, and they were given to all those unwed mothers mm-hmm. at that local organization uh, that Jean was volunteering at. So I thought that was really nice. And, you know, it's a great example of how a dream reinforces that thought you mm-hmm. have. Oh, maybe I mm-hmm. should do such and such. And then you squash that thought. Like, oh, I don't have time to do that. But then because you had the dream you go ahead and you do do it and it was the right thing to do. And you're so glad you listened to your dream. Right. So true. And this particular story is to me is about living a legacy of love, the whole entire chain, so to speak, her and her neighbor and what her neighbors are doing and so forth. That's true. It's one act of kindness after another. And Mm -hmm. it, 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 it empowers everybody and, leads to a lot of good things happening. And, you know, this is why I sometimes say to people, read one Chicken Soup for the Soul story every night before you go to bed. <laughs> you read a story like this and you just feel good, right? And yeah. it just releases some of that stress from your day and you could just go to sleep happy and thinking about the good that's out there. So true. So true. Chapter 7, Comfort and Closure, Dreams That Bear a Message by Judith Victoria Hensley. This is a pretty cool story as well. Yeah, so Judith was having those um, COVID dreams, um, but she actually dreamt about COVID before it happened, which was very interesting. Mm -hmm. So she had found that she always had a lot of nightmares about snakes when she was going through a very rough period. And what she learned in those dreams was that even though those dreams were very upsetting, the snakes never actually harmed her. And so she learned that dreams can tell you that you will go through a tough time, but you will make it through that tough time and come out okay on the other side. So mm-hmm. when Judah started having dreams at the beginning of the shutdown, she thought, okay, these dreams are telling me that something bad is coming, but I'm going to make it through. And in her dreams, she saw her grandchildren at her house with suitcases. And that was just not something that normally happened. Well, it turned out it was totally true because Judith's child and spouse both worked in the medical field, and so her grandchildren ended up coming to stay with her 
because mm-hmm. their parents were working in the medical field and were being exposed to COVID and didn't want to expose the kids. And knowing that her dreams would be stressful and would foretell these nightmare situations, but that things would always resolve well, helped Judith get through those early days of the pandemic and not worry as much about her grandchildren and about their parents who were working in the medical field. And she says, I've come to value dreams as legitimate parts of our existence that have great value if we learn to listen to them. Right, right. And that comes back again to the idea of if we're paying attention and the answers are there and it's how we decide to discern on what we were given in terms of information. And this is a beautiful story in the sense that it allows her to be with her grandchildren with actually with COVID-19. That's a pretty challenging issue for all grandparents. It is. It is. And in her case, they were very worried because the parents were both medical professionals and were being exposed during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So true. What's your favorite story in chapter eight? Love comes true. Well, I guess I'm such a girl. I love love <laughs> stories. So, <laughs> so um, Jane Clark, when she was only 12, there was this ridiculous like tradition that if you cut a hard-boiled egg in half and then you salted it and you ate only the white part and then you somersaulted it to bed and you slept with your head at the foot of the bed, then you would dream about the man you would marry. So Jane did this. <laughs> And she had this dream about a guy and this long, dark car pulled up and this man stepped out and he was really good looking. He had this black hair (laughs) and he had a certain haircut. He had this handsome face and he had these really intelligent eyes. And she could never get that man out of her thoughts. She kept that image in her head. And then, you know, five years passed. She's 17. Her Her friend asked her to go on a double date. She says, yeah to this blind date and then her friend and her friend's boyfriend and boyfriend's buddy who needs the date they don't show up for three hours <laughs> so Jane's getting really upset you know like I'm sorry but they haven't called they haven't said anything they're three hours late I'm not going on this date so they finally knocked on her door three hours late and she marched to the door to explain there was no way she was going but when she opened the door there was that guy the guy she had seen in her dream when she was 12 years old. He was the exact <laughs> same guy. And she was just so flustered. He he put out his hand and he said, I'm Joe. And he, he put out his hand to shake hers. And instead of shaking his hand, Jane pointed at him and said, you're the man I'm going to marry. Let me get my coat. <laughs> and they were married four months later. And now they, they have five children, 10 grandchildren, um, Jane now is saying, you know, if I hadn't listened to that dream, I would never have gone on that blind date and I wouldn't have married Joe. I wouldn't have the five mm-hmm. children, the 10 grandchildren, the great grandchildren. <laughs> None of these people would even exist now if I hadn't listened to that dream. That's true. Very, very true. Beautiful, beautiful story. Chapter nine, Miraculous Bond, the favorite by Rachel Remick. So Rachel's father died, and Rachel, she had a really hard time grieving for him because she somehow felt she was less connected to him than her Mm -hmm. siblings were. Like, she looked like her mother, not her father, and she thought that 
her sister was her father's favorite or maybe her brother was because he was the only boy. And Rachel was the youngest. So her, when her parents got divorced, she was only three. So she just hadn't spent time with him. She just felt like they had never really been close. So she was having trouble grieving. But then in the weeks following his death, she started having dreams about him. And in the dream, he talked to her and he said, no, you were my favorite. You were always the one who I felt had the most potential. And then she started remembering in her waking hours all the things her father had done for her. And, yeah, he hadn't lived in the same house as her, but he had always been there when she needed him. And he had driven for hours when, you know, her car broke down and she needed to be Mm -hmm. picked up. And he had paid tuition for her to go to a private school. And he had always encouraged her when she said she wanted to become a writer. And that was the beginning of a new relationship with her father. It was a relationship that started after he was already gone. And it was all because of those dreams. And that's something that's really amazing for that to happen. This is normal, I think, to me for siblings, because like, who is the favorite one? (laughs) I guess for better or worse, so my sister and I, luckily I left home when I was 18. So she got my dad and my mom. to shower her with all the attention. So it worked out pretty good. And today, my sister and I are very, very close. Even though she lives halfway around the world, we Skype each other once a week. So it's just wonderful. (laughs) That's great. Chapter 10, What I Knew All Along. And the story that I like is Attitude of Gratitude by Annie Reese. Yes, so Annie was exhausted, and she felt like her husband wasn't helping enough, and there was just never-ending work at home, and the laundry was piling up, and in her mind, she was always complaining and whining that she had to do all this stuff herself, and then she had this dream, and in the dream, somebody said to her, I'll meet you over at the appreciation table, and there was this large conference table and, I, and she thought, okay, that must be the appreciation table. And then she thought, am I really appreciating my family members? I'm thinking about all the work I have to do, but I should be grateful I have these family members, not resentful. And it really changed her attitude, and it started her on a new path to be grateful for these family members that she needed to do stuff for. And she became a much happier person as a result of that dream. (laughs) It's a beautiful story. What do you like as far as story-wise for Chapter 10? Well, you know, I'm a book person, and I'm also a person who's trying to, you know, clean out my bookshelves. And (laughs) it's really nice that you can pass your books along to somebody else to read You know, and you can't even give them to the libraries anymore. They don't want them. Um, (laughs) So Phyllis um, Dallas-Lager, she was doing that thing a lot of people have done during COVID. She was, you know, cleaning out the house. And she had all of these extra books. She She had this stack of 18, you know, hardcover books to give away. And so she came up with this idea. She wrote up a memo um, listing the 18 books and she uh, sent the memo to everybody in her condo association. There were 30 homes in the association. And she said, just let me know if you want any of these books and we'll just drop them off in a plastic bag at your front door, you know, no contact. We'll be socially distanced. 
And so her neighbors appreciated it so much, and people signed up to get the different books. And I thought, what a great idea. We could all use that idea. That's an awesome story. That's pretty cool. I really, really like that. Can you tell us what to expect from Chicken Soup this fall and holiday season? Yeah, we've got some great books coming out. We always put out a Christmas book in the middle of October, which I know seems early, Mm -hmm. but that's when the retailers want them. So that's called (laughs) Chicken Soup for the Soul, Christmas is in the Air. And then at the very end of October, um, we're putting out two new books for preteens and teens. Uh, Think Positive for Preteens and Think Positive for Teens. Uh, Those are going to be great and really fun books for kids that also help teach them values and cool. strategies for living life in a more positive way and yeah. strategies for using kindness and doing your very best. All the things that parents want their kids to do, this is a painless way to convey these lessons <laughs> to kids. And then um, on election day, we're coming out with a new book. On November 3rd, we're coming out with a book called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Age is Just a Number. And that's going to be stories about the dynamic lives that people have after the age of 60. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> sounds really good. Fantastic. So as we close the show, what wonderful recipes for living would you like to share with our listeners this morning? So here's one that I have picked up from reading our stories. And mm-hmm. I've gotten a reinforcement from this Listen to Your Dreams book. And that is that if you have a gut feeling about something, a quickie inclination to do something nice for somebody, Mm -hmm. a thought, maybe I will make that slight extra effort and do that thing. Go with that gut feeling because, I mean, just today in this hour, we've shared so many stories where somebody with that gut feeling or went along with that little inclination to do that kind thing or take that extra step out of the way. (laughs) And boy, does it pay off, right? So we all have those fleeting thoughts. And my recipe for living would be listen to those fleeting thoughts, catch them before they get away, and actually act on those fleeting thoughts. Beautiful. Amy, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, August 18. My guest will be Paul Seeley. He is considered to be one of the foremost spiritual channels working today. Paul is also an award-winning author. He has been featured on ABC News Nightline, Fox News, the Biography Channel series, The Unexplained. Paul and I will be having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey and his latest book, Alchemy, a channel text. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Happy summer. Thank you again, and have a blessed day. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.